Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. When we start to transition to a low-waste lifestyle, we often look around our homes and see several areas that could use improvement, such as replacing disposable paper towels with reusables, trading disposable razors for a metal one, or trying beauty products with better ingredients and packaging. It can be overwhelming, but it helps to remember that using and reusing what we already have is the most sustainable option. When it's time to make the switch, do your research, take your time, and try to support small or woman of color owned businesses. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Alex Gamboa Grand, a Black and Costa Rican woman who is the co-owner of Way of Being, a low-way shop based in Portland, Oregon. We're talking about how Way of Being was birthed, why sustainable goods cost more, and the low-waste products that have changed Alex's life. Before we get into this episode, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll all the way down till you see the review area. I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review, so go ahead and do it. <laughs> Today's review comes from Tete Denise, titled Informative and Fun. I really love the way Ariel has made a space for everyone to learn about sustainability in a comfortable and welcoming way. As a sustainable brown girl myself, I appreciate how she highlights people who look like me and whose experiences I share, but I also see how it's relatable for all people. Thanks so much for that lovely review. It's great to hear that the podcast is relatable to everybody and you're learning from it. So please go leave your own review over on Apple Podcasts and I'll read it in an upcoming episode. If you're not following us on Instagram, like what are you even doing? Go and follow Sustainable Brown Girl and remember to use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. Another way to get a shout out on Instagram is by participating in the pop quiz. I'll ask a question about something from a past podcast episode. And if you know the answer, DM Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram with the correct answer to get a shout out and stories. Today's question comes from episode 53 with Ushma Pandya from Think Zero, a consultancy offering waste reduction and diversion services to businesses and homes. In that episode, Ushma told us about a specific Facebook group that she is an admin of and very active in. So if you remember what Facebook group that was, send me a DM on Instagram and I'll give you a shout out in stories. Last thing before we get into this episode, if you didn't know, all of the videos recorded from our podcast interviews are live on YouTube. 
So if you want to see the full video versions, head over to Sustainable Brown Girl on YouTube and subscribe. Sometimes our guests will show something to the camera that you obviously can't see if you're just listening to the audio version. So it's a lot of fun to be able to see all of the Sustainable Brown Girls live. A link to the video for this episode is in the show notes. All right, now let's get to it. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Alex Gamboa Grand, the co-founder of Way of Being, a low-waste shop located in Portland, Oregon, and online. By offering a variety of low-waste products and guides, Way of Being is helping us to be more intentional on our sustainable journeys. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. It's my pleasure and great um, description of Way of Being. That's definitely what we try to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys have so much information there. But first, I want to know more about your sustainable journey. Like what got you into sustainability? Yeah, um, this is an interesting question because it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what. But I remember, you know, I grew up in um, an environment like, you know, I grew up in a really Christian environment where I remember that it was really important to be stewards of the environment. And so at the time, it just meant like not littering, basically, mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. I knew. And um, and then I knew like that recycling was good or whatever. And then I remember in high school, my dad took me to see An Inconvenient Truth when it came out. And so I became really um, like passionate and aware about um, climate change and global warming and, you know, about just thinking about what I can do to make a difference. But still at the same time, it was like fairly limited. I just got more passionate about recycling and like carrying a reusable water bottle with me. Yeah. And it's interesting now because I've actually had people that knew me, you know, in high school and junior high that are like, you're the one I always think of when, you know, every time I recycle or something. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was like really that, that girl back then. Um, But yeah, I just got more and more passionate about it. I actually took like an atmospheric science class and college. Um, and that kind of taught me more of like the science behind um, what was happening and stuff. But um, yeah, it really took off in the last, I would say, um, like five to 10 years, just learning more about plastic specifically mm-hmm. and the full life cycle um, of plastic and how harmful it is at every single level. And just that those solutions that you know, we always thought were the big solutions like recycling really are like barely scratching the surface of this issue. And so, um, yeah, I also just became really passionate about conscious consumerism and using that as a tool to create change because it's like, you know, you get so, or I get so frustrated by, you know, big corporations or politicians or whatever, like not making these big changes that we know need to be made. And so it it feels, you start to feel kind of powerless. Um, But, you know, Lindsay and I, my business partner, we were just kind of sick of waiting around for somebody else to solve the problems. And we saw that there was a lot of power um, that we had as consumers to spend our dollars in a way that would send clear messages that would ripple across our whole market. and have these big effects. And then we just knew that starting our own business would also just um, like help educate people about that power that they have as individual consumers. But then also we would have all these other levers through which we can make an impact as business owners, whether that was through 
um, you know, the, the vendors and um, how we sourced our products and, you know, who we chose, how locally we chose to source things from, you know, what shipping materials and packaging, all the things that, you know, you use to run a business. There's so many different factors at play. So anyway, yeah, my, <laughs> my journey has been kind of long and just has like ramped up in the last several years and culminated with Way of Being. Yes, I love it. So when you started Way of Being, um, what did you start like with your local shop or was it online to begin with? Yeah, great question. So we started in August 2019 was when we first launched and we, when we first launched, it was just an online shop. Mm -hmm. And we had always had a vision of opening a brick and mortar store, um, but we had been building up um, an audience, you know, on social media and stuff. And we were putting out lots of blog and educational content for like a year prior to actually launching our online store. And so we knew we were going to start with online. Um, and actually the brick and mortar piece ended up coming a lot sooner than we thought we'd be able to open a space because Lloyd Center, this mall that's local in Portland, honestly has just been like kind of struggling and had a bunch of empty yeah. like retail spaces, but they had this program for local businesses to come in during the holidays and like kind of as pop-ups and be able mm -hmm. to get into the space at like a really uh, like accessible rent. So we were able to even just in December 2019 open that brick and mortar space and then we've just kind of been lingering there <laughs> ever since. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So what's been the response, um, you know, from from your local community to your shop, you know, because, well, I live in the South, so mm -hmm. in Georgia. So, you know, low waste and, you know, eco-friendly stuff is just kind of starting to catch on. But I feel like, you know, like on the in the Pacific Northwest, it may be a little, you know, people may be more open to it. So how, how do people typically react locally? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that this this area has been really ripe for um, spots like this. There was already actually a really strong zero waste community. There was like this blog called Zero Waste PDX and a really active like Facebook group that's about like zero waste living. And so um, there were there was already a lot of interest there. And really just when you come to Portland, even when I first moved here in 2013, which like isn't, you know, it's not like ancient Portland or anything, but like <laughs> I remember I came here and immediately was struck by like how many restaurants were really committed to like sustainable sourcing of like mm -hmm. local and um, ethically sourced ingredients. And like, you would go to, you know, a cap, like I went to like a hospital cafeteria and they had like six different um, sorting, you know, uh, like recycling bins for sorting, recycling and compost and stuff. So it was just like very, it's much more mainstream. Whereas like, you know, you go to other parts of the country that literally don't do any recycling. Right. Um, like my dad lives in Ohio and it's always like such a, like smacks you across the face. Like, oh shoot. Like a lot of people literally have nothing. <laughs> Yes. Comparison. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So it's definitely, you know, there's already that mindset here. And I feel like most people probably in, especially in Portland specifically, and not just, maybe not the whole of Oregon, but consider themselves right. to be like environmentally minded or something in some way. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm, and I'm sure by having your shop, you know, it's kind of introducing more people to the eco-friendly lifestyle too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And we really are like, you know, low waste living is like kicking it up a notch from mm -hmm. what a lot of people think is eco-friendly living, which, you know, yeah. might be recycling and using some reusables and stuff. But um, yeah. 
it, it's like an in-between between like that and also like the hardcore zero waste. Like we kind of try to be somewhere in the middle where it doesn't feel like it's all or nothing. Yes. Um, so I think that has been also like an interesting niche for us. Like we want to basically help um, like bring more people into this movement aside from just the people who are like super gung-ho like you know yeah right because I mean zero waste you know when I first started in you know my sustainable journey I would see the people who had their little mason jars with all their trash from the past two years and it's like I can't do that you know but um by learning more about low waste and seeing, you know, okay, I can reduce my waste a lot. It may not look like my trash in a, in a mason jar, but I can definitely maybe fill up my trash, you know, my 13 gallon trash can once a week rather than every two, you know, rather than every two days. So, um, so what are some ways that you think people can maybe start their low waste journey? Where's a good place to start? Yeah, that's a good question. I I like to think so. There's basically a lot of different entry points, and you know, like even in the stuff that we carry in our store, it really spans. Like we have like personal care products that range from like hair care to skin care to just like oral care or stuff, you know, basics. But then there's mm-hmm. also like home. There's groceries. There's eat and drink. But basically, I try to think of it like um, think of what either from two different directions one is which like think about the just biggest area of opportunity in your life like where can you see that you're making like the most waste like maybe you have uh maybe it's with food like you get takeout all the time and you're just seeing your trash can full of like takeout containers and Mm -hmm. plastic bags and stuff or maybe it's like with groceries as an alternative like maybe you get your groceries and you hear that crinkle sound of all the different plastic bags (laughs) that you're coming home with, but it also might be your skincare routine or whatever. Like think about where you're, you're um, creating the most waste and you could start there. And I would also say like, maybe don't choose an area that you're really attached to how you do things already. Like for example, some people are just like, (laughs) um, I have a lot of people in my family actually who are really big, like shoppers. They just like love buying new clothes all the time. My mom actually owns a boutique and so, like, if you tell people to, like, try to buy less stuff or secondhand only, then they're going to get really, like, <laughs> defensive. Yes. Okay, now you're taking away something I love. So I would say don't start with that thing that you love. If you have, like, your favorite uh, hair products that, like, you cannot, like, you feel like you cannot live without, maybe don't start there. But um, so start with something that you feel like you just don't feel good about as it is. So for me, I started with... Um, kitchen in general. So I started focusing on my groceries. Like what are different products that I'm taking home that I could buy? I could choose the options that come in glass or paper instead of plastic, for example. Mm-hmm. Or like, What can, can I start making recipes that use more just like produce and stuff in the bulk section instead of processed foods that are only in packaged containers? Um, and then I just started looking around my kitchen at like, where are all the sources of waste and kind of like picking apart my trash and thinking like, where, okay, where is the waste coming from? So I started, you know, there's certain things I started cutting out. Like I cut out granola bars and I come cut out hummus, you know, things that just kind of always come in plastic containers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those things you can learn to make yourself. Um, but 
you know, I like that's one of those things where there, especially with the slow waste lifestyle, there's one end of things where you can just make everything yourself. Like there are some people that make their own mustard and make their own yogurt. And that's yeah. amazing. Like I would, that's, I hope to, you know, really have the time to be able to do all of that at some point. But also if you can't just like think about what you don't absolutely need. And um, like, instead of buying, um, actually, no, I can't think of a good example of something you drink that. <laughs> or like, you know, peanut butter. Like I, now my snacks, instead of like hummus and crackers is like an apple with peanut butter that comes in a glass jar, which is still yeah. like, it's not that much, it's not more work or anything. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, think about where you're creating the most waste and, and look there or just something you don't feel good about. Like, I don't, I also don't love seeing like, a bunch of plastic bottles in my shower or anything like that's mm -hmm. not, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if that, if that's how you feel, then that's, you know, maybe a good opportunity to start there too. Yeah. I think that's a good point to um, where you said that don't start with something that you're super attached to <laughs> because that just makes it so overwhelming. And you know, that, that can really stop you in your tracks to begin with. Um, so yeah, I think starting somewhere simple where it doesn't matter as much is very helpful. Like for me, when I started my journey, it was more, you know, like I, I wasn't very attached to my skincare routine or, you know, anything like that. So instead of buying my, uh, what is it instead of buying like my body wash you know in the plastic bottles I just started using the the bar soap you know super easy not a big deal and then I started using um the cotton rounds instead of like the reusable cotton rounds instead of buying the disposable ones like exactly. so easy you know it's just simple changes can make a big difference yeah and I'll say too this is another thing is mm -hmm. like you don't have to go out and like buy all new stuff right now. I think yes. like as you start running out of stuff, like it's easy. It's, it feels more approachable to me if I'm like, okay, one thing at a time, really. Like I, my toothbrush needs to be replaced. Okay. Now it's time to switch it with the bamboo toothbrush or mm -hmm. whatever. Like you don't need to buy all new stuff all at once. You can do it like little by little. And that also just makes it more palatable. Now I'll also say some people are just the type where they want to go all in all at once and they want to just like overhaul their whole thing. And like, I totally get that because it just, so once you start noticing plastic and forms of waste, it's hard. Like you can see it around your apartment and just be like, oh, I just want that to be done. Like I would be so right. happy to use that in my dish soap so I could like move on. <laughs> yes, yes. But that's actually, it can be more wasteful if you end up just tossing all this stuff that still has plenty of uses left in it. So mm -hmm. um, that's important too, just to, that's, that's wasteful in itself to just like replace everything that doesn't necessarily need to be replaced immediately. Right, exactly. Always use up what you have first. I know it's difficult, mm -hmm. but you know, that's the best option. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me, I, we kind of talked about it, but tell me what are some of the low waste products that you guys sell that have changed your life? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a couple, um, first I'll say, so this was not the place that I started, which was yeah. hair products because uh -huh. as a curly girl, I, I feel like I just started finding stuff that was really working for my hair. Cause like curly hair products kind of just came out. And I yeah. also use, well, I won't even say the brand because I might get you all too excited about it. <laughs> this brand that was like custom hair care or whatever. And I was all super excited about it. And I just was like, okay, a shampoo bar is really 
I do not trust that it's going to do it for me. But actually, I have been so impressed with, I'll say this, like not all shampoo and conditioner bars are alike. There's a lot of oh, yeah. that just are not going to do it. Um, but we have a few good options. But like the biggest, um, so anyway, I only use shampoo and conditioner bars now. But I'll say like the conditioner bar that we carry by Kamamu, um, which is like a local Portland company, like that's all I have to use for like my leave-in. I don't need to use styling products or anything like before is like building up and doing like a three-step method and stuff. But like, I just use, um, uh, that conditioner bar is my leave-in like every time I wet and like, you know, I've got like defined curls. (laughs) Yeah. Curls are (laughs) popping. Thank you. So that's one. And then I'll say the grocery stuff has been big too. Like Mm-hmm. I really focus when I go to the grocery store on like the produce aisles and the bulk section. And there's just so much at the bulk section that's like, it can often be cheaper. But so the products that I use for that are reusable cloth um, bags for produce. Like there's mesh ones that you can use for collecting produce instead of, you know, putting them in those like plastic bags that they give you in the produce section. Mm-hmm. And in the bulk section too, we have these bags that are good for bulk items like nuts, grains, like I get, you can get get flour there. You can get sugar, salt, and obviously like dried fruits and snacks and even like pasta. I mean, this is also depending on like the grocery stores that you have access to. I have it really good in Portland. We have some great um, grocery stores that are very accommodating. But yeah, so most of my grocery cart when I come home is is plastic free. Um, So that's been a big game changer because I really do try to avoid plastic as much as I can. Um, so yeah, there's still a couple things that I still get, um, in plastic, like cheese and, uh, bread and tortillas and stuff, which like in theory you could make yourself, but I, that's not what I'm doing in my (laughs) daily life at the moment. Right. (laughs) But, um, so I do make a few exceptions, which I think is helpful because I think some people would be like, if I really cannot bring home any plastic, that would be stressful. It would be unmanageable, which I think is like part of the expectation with zero waste. Mm-hmm. So just like not setting that expectation for yourself. Um, also, I um, one other thing is like on the go stuff. I basically have like um, kind of a big purse. It's like a little, it's like a cute backpack, but <laughs> I always <laughs> keep stuff on the go with me, um, including like a reusable water bottle and like a set of utensils and a nap, like a cloth napkin. And this little like, um, it's called a seal cup trio that it, Um, or like little to-go containers that you can nest inside each other. But it's super helpful to have like whenever I'm eating out or something, because if I'm getting leftovers, I can use those containers. There's actually a little one that works really well for like hot sauce or salsa or something. If you're going, getting like tacos and you need, you don't want to use those like little disposable cups. That's handy to have. But yeah, there's just like so many things that will come up that like, if you don't have a reusable fork with you, then you know, you're not going to not eat. So it's, that's been a game changer too. And whenever I don't bring that purse with me with all that stuff, I end up regretting it because mm-hmm. they're just things come up. So I think it's mm-hmm. really cool. It's just to just live, live your daily life and like be prepared to be yes. avoid waste. Yes. Being prepared is so important. You know, just keeping your grocery bags in the car. And like you said, carrying a a bag like that, that does have, you know, maybe a small, I keep like a small um, 
bag that, you know, I put inside my purse in case I stop by, you know, somewhere and just pick up a couple things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being prepared is so important with having, you know, being on your low waste lifestyle because you never know what's going to happen. And then it's so convenient to get single use plastics, you know, it's everywhere. So that's the best way to kind of um, combat that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like just avoiding single-use plastics, plastics in general takes like your full attention. Like you have to be constantly on guard because people are always trying to give you stuff too. Yeah, especially, right. yeah, especially with food and takeout and stuff. It's like, um, yeah. So just being really prepared and like getting your routine and habits down is super helpful. Yeah. On your website or maybe it was Instagram, I can't remember, you have um, – something about why sustainable goods cost more you know of course when we're starting our journeys we look at all the things like oh i should buy this and this and that and then it can really add up you know um so what what are your thoughts on that like you know why sustainable goods cost more or how people maybe can keep the cost low yeah i think it's a really important point because i feel like we well first of all i think that there's also just this like perception that like living sustainably means you have to spend a lot more or you have to yeah. be like really privileged to be able to live like that and um you know there there is like a lot of truth to that with like some products that do cost more than like a conventional option but and so some of those reasons include like i actually just saw um an article yesterday from vice news that was about how um all these major like apparel companies like Nike and Gap and Zara and stuff like their factories in India hadn't been paying people minimum wage for the past two years. Mm -hmm. And like, because of that, like, because they're basically exploiting their laborers, like they are able to give you lower prices. And so a lot of times when you're buying from companies that are really intentional about their sourcing and their labor, like it's going to cost more because they're really doing it right. Like they're kind of going above and beyond. And there's all these kinds of examples of like why it costs more to do things. I don't want to say the right way. That's, it's not like necessarily black and white, but um, for example, like organic farming, I talked to some farmers um, maybe like five years ago, but it was about, I was asking them kind of like about their process and why organic food can be more expensive. And they were saying like, instead of spraying their all of their fields with pesticides, they had to actually go and like weed all of their crops themselves, like by mm. hand. And they only, this is like a local farm that only had actually like a couple people that worked for the farm. And so going about it that way and not kind of taking the easy, like more efficient way out and doing things in a more holistic and natural way can take more time. But also it's um, an economies of scale issue. So you know, we're, when we're used to mass producing plastic or mass producing, um, you know, cotton, for example, that's not made organically, we are doing it on such a mass level that um, we're, it's able to be really cheap because uh, costs are reduced, like the more you're producing something. Um, so when you, we're starting out and kind of creating new products made with new materials, a lot of times it costs more in the beginning because they're still developing a market for it. And they're trying to find suppliers who can actually, like I've talked to some um, of our vendors, like a soap company, for example, that they only have like one or two people or one or two vendors that can make their like recycled paper that they use like to wrap the soap with. 
Mm -hmm. So like, because there's so few vendors that are making products that way, it, it's, it just ends up being more expensive because like they're creating new processes and like their, their whole supply chain needs to be built from scratch. So the more that we actually buy those things, if you're able to, it actually does make it cheaper along the way. Like we've kind of seen this with like organic produce, for example, the grocery stores, like organic used to be like way more expensive. And for mm-hmm. some, sometimes it still is, but you know, a lot of times at the grocery stores, I notice now the prices are actually like comparable, if not the same yeah. and just a little bit above, which right. it just shows you over time that the cost, the prices will go down. Um, but I will also say that you don't, you know, basically if you're actually trying to live a low waste lifestyle, it should ultimately cost you less. You shouldn't be, your, your monthly budget should not be a lot more um, because ultimately you're consuming less altogether. You're reusing things, you're shopping secondhand first. And, you know, we sell a lot of um, products, like for example, reusable utensils for on the go. Like we sell like a bamboo option. We sell uh, an upcycled stainless steel option. Um, But you can also just go to Goodwill and get your own or use like your, you know, utensils from your own home and bring them with you on the go without having to spend any money or very little money. Like you don't have to buy the new versions. We do that because we know some people are going to want a new version and we want it to be the most sustainable version that's out there. Um, But there are a lot of ways you can just avoid um, the, the cost by buying something reused. Um, And also a lot of it, like you're just cutting out costs by, for example, switching to like a reusable alternative to disposables. Like for example, in my home, we don't use paper towels. We only use reusable cloth wipes or, um, unpaper towels or rags that we've like made from old t-shirts and towels and stuff. So we're not constantly buying new paper towels. I totally agree with you about the reusable paper towels. I was on the same like journey too when I switched over to my reusable paper towels and stopped buying the um, you know regular paper towels. I realized how much money I was spending and how much money I was saving on actually you know stopping stopping buying the paper towels. Not to mention the waste that I was creating with all that. So. I I agree that making, you know, making those swaps that will save you money, even though it's a bigger investment up front, it does save you money in the long run. Yeah. And like another, another way to go about that is like, you don't necessarily have to go and like buy the reusable, like unpapered towels, although like we do carry them for people that do want that version, but you can also just like cut up old towels that you have yourself and just reuse that and make rags out of t-shirts and that kind of thing. Like in, in my home, we have a mix of both. Like we definitely like repurpose old t-shirts and have like a little like bin of all that stuff. And we have some of the like reusable stuff that we purchase. but it's kind of amazing how those things also, like we get it in our heads that this is like a given that we have to buy paper towels. Like you have to restock it. Like this is a normal, like essential part of life. And I think one of the cool things about um, being really mindful about your ways is it kind of makes you second guess everything. Like you, you're, it helps you kind of think more critically about like, do I actually need this thing? Like, is there an alternative to it? And you're not just like going with the flow, going with the status quo. 
Um, but there are a lot of little opportunities like that where we don't really need all the stuff that we've been told that we need. So ultimately, yeah, you should be spending less money if you're really being mindful about your waste altogether because you should be consuming less and reusing and repurposing as much as possible. So you have your brick and mortar and you have your online store. What have been some of your greatest successes so far? Um, I think it was. it's actually just been really... Um, satisfying and encouraging to see, especially in the first like year, um, year and a half of our business, like we were getting just so much positive feedback from people who were um, seeing that we were trying to do something unique and really appreciating like the energy and like the intention that we were putting behind our brand and just seeing like so many, we have so many customers that have been with us from the very beginning that like are still with us like today. And it's, that has been really powerful just to see that because it's like we started this thing and you just like hope that, <laughs> that people are going to notice and that anybody is going to care. So it's been really encouraging to see how many people have been um, excited about what we're doing, but also too like the number of people who um, like in our lives that we can see, for example, that have decided to like change a lot of their really deeply ingrained habits, like a lot of older people, like we kind of thought like, oh, this is going to be the kind of thing that like is going to be the most interesting or relevant to like younger people, because I'm sure people that are a little older are going to be more set in their ways. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of people like throughout every span of ages and cultures and ethnicities and across the country being really excited about like trying new things. And so like every time we see, we get really, ex like every time like an order comes through, we get really excited. Like, oh my gosh, like somebody's trying charcoal, bamboo, like water filter sticks. Like this is, that's really cool because this is like a cool product and it's like a new thing and a new kind of lifestyle switch. So I think that that just gets us really excited when we're seeing that people are like, especially when they come back and they make like repeat purchases of things, we're like, okay, we're actually doing something here. We're actually like saving stuff from the landfill. We're actually helping people to live more intentionally. So that's been really gratifying. And it's also been cool, like our brick and mortar store, we were able to open um, much earlier than we ever expected to be able to open brick and mortar because we had this opportunity at this local mall that um, was like, you know, a lot of malls are like kind of struggling. And so this mall was trying to like use that opportunity to bring in like small local businesses at like a really affordable rate. So that allowed us to be able to do that like for our first um, holiday season in 2019. And um, it's been such um, a, a godsend because we have then also had this huge space to be able to store our inventory where beforehand we were like storing it in our own homes. <laughs> like mm -hmm. And and as we were trying to grow and expand, like we were literally running out of space. So um, it's been, we've had some like really great opportunities, um, especially Portland is just a really like, um, it's just a great business community where people are very like supportive of each other and collaborative. And it's kind of, it's easy to find people who want to partner with you on things. So there's just a lot, been a lot of great energy and momentum that has helped us kind of keep our business going and it's been keeping it exciting. Yes, that is exciting. And I can imagine just how rewarding it can be to see people 
starting their sustainable journeys and making these swaps and whatnot, you know, like, yeah, you're definitely doing something great and, you know, introducing people to new products that can reduce the waste on this planet and just, you know, make it better overall. Yeah. I mean, even like my parents, like it's exciting to see them doing stuff that like, I know how I grew up and what the house looks like. So the fact that I see that they're willing to change and do all these things has been really fun. And then they have ended up you know, they're also just supportive. My mom is like just really supportive in general, but she also like is now become like a big evangelist for our product. She's telling everybody she knows to buy our wooden dish brushes. Yes. So yeah. So that's been a really fun part. That's awesome. And so on the flip side, what have been some of your greatest challenges with being a sustainable business? Um, There are definitely a, a wide variety and number of them. Um, Part of it has just also been um, like we're trying to run and grow our business, really just like the two of us, just Lindsay and I, and our husbands help us sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like doing so much of that by ourselves has been really challenging, especially because we're we're still like managing like other like day jobs, basically. And so as we're growing, we're trying to get to a point where like we can do it more sustainably, but not getting burnt out has been really hard. And a lot of this is like the case for a lot of businesses that like you have to kind of juggle multiple things for the first few years. And um, it was easier for us to do in the first year, year and a half. And now it's gotten to a point where we're like, okay, we need help because like we can't keep going working like seven days a week, you know? Um, So that's definitely been one of the challenges. Um, There's also just been stuff with like social media, for example, like there's things that are this is like a a very um, common complaint of like the Instagram algorithm changing or whatever, but like things that were working for us before now aren't working as much. So we kind of have to constantly innovate, which we're totally like happy to do, but then it also like, you know, adds one more thing to the list. Yes, definitely. Um, And then there's also just the, like in terms of like managing the business itself, like, Um, One of the things that's really important to us, for example, is like with our vendors, we are really intentional about who we source from. We want it to be as local as possible to us. Uh, We want to make sure that the packaging is as sustainable as possible, as plastic free as possible. And sometimes it'll happen that we like take on a new vendor and we're super excited about the product and it's super sustainable. But then like we receive the the package and it's like full of bubble wrap and we're like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) what are you talking like what are you doing yeah and so and then we have to go back and forth with it like there's been some like disappointments like that or we didn't realize that this product that was like bamboo and like non-toxic like was was um wrapped in like a plastic packaging that like you know they weren't transparent about that on their end so just mm-hmm. being really vigilant about that that and like having to make some hard choices about like well we were really excited about this product but it turns out that it's not as great as we thought or whatever. So that's also been a challenging part, but it's really one of the most exciting parts of our business too, is that we have kind of a platform to influence these other businesses and how they're doing stuff. Because if we request like, Hey, we love you, your brand, but like we need everything to come to us plastic free, then like sometimes they figure out other ways of packaging and shipping their products. And like, if that like kind of creates a little ripple effect, like that's one of the powers of business is like using your like dollars basically as levers to, 
you know, influence or impact things. So, um, and then like, you know, the last thing I'll say is just like education is always really important for us to continuously like educate, um, our audience so that because all of these, so many of the products are new to people Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily intuitive when you've been using something else or your habits have been totally different for your whole life. So, um, like we have like such a wide variety of products and like making sure that we're doing enough education so that the people get what the value is of each of them and stuff. Um, that's definitely one of the challenges, but it's also one of the biggest opportunities. And I think something that's really fun about this business is like every single product, like we chose because it does something, it's a better alternative. It's a more sustainable, healthier, more intentional alternative to something. So you know, just communicating that and getting the message out there is like, it's always going to be a challenge, but it's also like the most exciting part. And there's always going to be new stuff to talk about. So. Yes, exactly. That education part is so important because like you said, uh, a lot of times the products are so different from what we're used to. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of need to be retaught on how to use things or why it's better for the planet and better for your health even. So yeah, that's so important. Um, another thing that you mentioned was about the brand sending you products wrapped in plastic. I like that you're being like, you know, transparent about that and you're not just going behind the scenes and taking it out of the plastic and then just displaying <laughs> it or sending it to somebody, you know, yeah. like you're, do- you're due del- do- doing your due diligence too to make sure that, you know, you're holding the brands responsible while also, you know, maintaining your ethics. Yeah, that's always really hard for us, too, because we're like, we we don't want to do is like, we don't want to send people plastic. Yeah, because also not only is it like not aligned with our brand, but it also like we don't know what's going to happen to that. Like we want to make sure that we we are able to tell everyone how to responsibly dispose of everything that we send them. Mm -hmm. And not everybody has access to like plastic film recycling. So like we want to make sure that we are doing our part to be as responsible as we can um, with everything we send people. So it is, it is a really tricky balance, but yeah, for us, like we're, if it happens once, like we like make sure we communicate with that brand. And like, if they keep sending us plastic, we won't, we won't continue with them. We're okay with like them making a mistake once or twice because like it, you know, it happens sometimes they have to like figure out like how to adjust to our requirements. But, um, but yeah, that's all part of it. And it, it does take some heart. But that's, I think, one of the things that is unique about, you know, maybe if you're at Target or whatever, and they have like their eco-friendly section, like you don't really know that they're doing like all of this extra work on the back end to make sure that everything is really, um, you know, is as ethical and as sustainable as possible. We want to make sure that we're doing that work on the front end. So you don't have to worry about it and you can trust that we are. So yes, we take vigilance, but it's definitely like, that's a really important part of our brand. We want We wanted to have something where we could trust that like the company was actually like not just selling us something that on the surface looks sustainable, but wasn't really. Right. Right. Yes. That's awesome. Love it. Um, so I think that brings me to my last question, what, which is what does being a sustainable brown girl means to you? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, you know, I think that's, that's a fun question because for one thing, it's, I think um, as being a brown girl, it's just really important that like we're being our true authentic selves. Like I think that people think that it like should look like one thing. And a lot of times people probably don't expect that somebody who looks like you or I would like care a lot about sustainability. And so right. I think it's just kind of important to like, you know, be ourselves and show that there's, there's like, we all have, you know, multiplicity to us. We, there's like, there are many things that we can be. Um, but also it's really important for me that this like sustainability doesn't feel like something that is just for the very privileged and elite and like, white, upper-class, rich hipsters. Like, that's not what it should be about. The people that that um, climate change, the climate crisis, like, is, um, is, are, is going to impact the most are people of color and people from disadvantaged communities. And so for me, it's not just about, like, doing something that in theory is nice. It's about, like, it's important for me, the areas that where I grew up, areas that people who look like me grew up that they have safer communities that they're they don't have the pollution that you know people in more privileged communities don't have to deal with um mm -hmm. so on a personal level it's just important for me that like on not just an environmental level but also on like a social justice and climate justice level it's important but I also think that what this lifestyle looks like can look very different for people in a lot of different cultures. And like, I grew up and there were things that my family was doing on both sides. My One side of my family is black, the other side is Costa Rican. And like on both sides, they were doing things that are low waste, but maybe like don't look like they're low waste. Like mm -hmm. one of my grandmas was collecting all of her yogurt cups and reusing yogurt cups for like everything, <laughs> like plant her plants in or whatever. And then, you know, I had my other family members who were like making sure we used every last drop of like soap or shampoo and they were adding water to make sure yes. we weren't wasting anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these little things that like, you know, they don't feel like they're part of the sustainable lifestyle movement or whatever, but that stuff all counts too and is totally valid. And there are all these ways that we should be including in this conversation about minimizing waste that are um, culturally relevant to a lot of people and that a lot of people have already been doing this stuff. Also, like, how many of us grew up just using, like, pure shea butter or coconut oil or whatever, mm -hmm. like, as our skincare or, like, hair masks or whatever that we were, like, we grew up avoiding toxic, you know, chemicals and stuff. We were trying to go the natural way. Like, that's deeply ingrained in many cultures. So it's important for me that we kind of shed light on all of those different variants of, of this lifestyle and that we accept all of it. Because to me, it felt like zero waste living or sustainable living like looked like one specific thing. Like mm -hmm. all of the products were like black and white and mm -hmm. like all of the people doing it were white or, you know, looked a certain way. So um, I don't know. I just think it's important that people see themselves like representation matters. And we see that in so many other parts of media. But I think it matters a lot to see that this is relevant for us, that we're doing it and that you don't 
have to make a lot of money. You don't have to live in, you don't have to live in Portland either (laughs) (laughs) or somewhere like Portland. Like, you know, it applies to all of us and making, making this um, accessible and relevant to more people is really like at the heart of our mission. Absolutely. Well said. A hundred percent agree. Yes. Yeah. We see so often that, um, you know, black people and immigrants and people of color have been sustainable for centuries, you know, for generations, not necessarily because they care about the planet, but just like out of necessity and, you know, wanting to not waste anything. So, you know, it's important to keep that in mind and, um, you know, go with that going forward and realize that it's going to look different for everybody, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's I think great. I also think has been really cool that I've been seeing a lot more of lately mm-hmm. is seeing like there's this big movement of like black farmers and, yes. and black people showing that they have these roots with like farming and agriculture and like to the earth. Because I think a lot of us, like in the last couple of generations have a lot of like black people specifically, I feel like have felt very like disconnected from the earth and from our yes. natural environment, because that's not like the environment that a lot of us grew up in, like a lot of us grew up in cities and whatever, mm-hmm. but like that is a part of our roots and like getting back to that, I feel like is such a beautiful thing. Um, and so there's like a, a movement in Portland that I've been seeing to like support black farmers and, and kind of learn, learn how to grow things and get back to those roots. But I think that that's really important too, because like being connected to the earth and wanting to protect it, I think is really deeply ingrained in all of us. Like it just makes sense. So I think it's important like to um, also just underline the value of that, like on a personal level, like how it's like good for your soul on a cultural level, how it like helps us like retake our own health and our own cultures and our own like ability to sustain our communities. But um yeah, also like for the good of the environment, like the more of us that that feel connected to our, the earth, I think goes a long way. Absolutely. Yes, that's so important. I've seen the shift in people, um, you know, having farms and stuff. So that's something I want to have more people on to talk about on the podcast this year. But anyway, it has been such a pleasure talking to you, Alex. Thank you for joining us and let everybody know where they can find Way of Being. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a delight. I appreciate having been here. Um, You can find us at wayofbeing.co. That's where you can find our online store and shop and um, read all of our blog posts with lots of education. We also have lots of like DIY recipes and stuff there. Um, And you can follow us on Instagram at wayofbeing.co as well. Awesome. Yes, please go follow Way of Being buy some products if you need them, learn some things about, you know, ways that you can do things differently to reduce your waste. And yeah, just go follow Way of Being. So thanks again, Alex, for being here. Thank you so much. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.